Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, 92.9 FM ESPN presents Memphis's biggest columnist. You ain't got to do nothing, homeboy. You ain't writing nothing. No, you ain't writing nothing. I ain't letting him write. He ain't getting no interviews. It's the award-winning Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show. I don't get no interviews. I know. I'm good. I'm good. On 92.9 FM ESPN. Today, it's special guest hosts Brad Carson and Sparky Pfeiffer on 92.9's Jeff Cockins Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something they call a groundbreaker. All right, good morning. It's Brad and Steve, a.k.a. Sparky from Odyssey, Milwaukee, filling in for Jeff this morning. Good morning, Sparky. How are you, brother? Good morning. How are things with you? Things are good. You know, it's that time in the sports calendar where we're locked in on summer league. We're locked in on, like, football hot stove, I guess you'd call it. Uh, Some baseball. But in Memphis, I think, you know, in terms of sports, which is why we're here, um, the weather has been crappy. That's a non-sports story. But as you and I were talking about off the air, um, for the last three weeks we've had these storms that keep knocking our power out. Like, they're not just regular, like, storm patterns. They just seem to take us out. Now, MLGW said part of that is because they didn't have all the trees trimmed, but I'm hoping like all the trees are down at this point because it seems like for three consecutive weeks we've had power outages and storms on the weekends, and, and today we have a chance of rain. Today we're going to get up to 87, and there's rain in the forecast for this weekend. So uh, I, it sounds like you guys have not had rain up in, in uh, Yankee territory. Uh, no, I think we had an inch of rain in June. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, we've had no rain, so a lot of brown grass uh, and mm-hmm. kind of like a mini drought going on. Did get some rain uh, on Sunday, a torrential downpour. That was about the extent of it, uh, and that was about it. So we'll see. There's a chance of rain possibly tomorrow, but not a high percentage. So I, I'm guessing we'll have another sunny, and I think we're around 78 to 80 degrees here uh, through the weekend. So nice. not bad. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I actually have uh, – my wife actually just texted me. If you heard a ping in the background, that was her saying – because, like, it's impossible to get folks to come up. Like, we had some tree branches that I could not get to to chainsaw off, so I had to get some reinforcements. So there's a guy, and she just sent me the picture of it, like, in our yard with the with the bucket truck because it, it's oh, about yeah. it's about to collapse on our house, the one in the back. And I'm like, uh, please don't, don't fall. And I think we've got reinforcements today. So a good day at the Carson household. Uh, that's Steve Pfeiffer from Odyssey, Milwaukee. I'm Brad Carson. And coming up at uh, 930, Jason Smith, host of the Jason and John Show, will join us, Steve. Jason used to be the Tigers beat writer for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Now we are lucky enough to have him hosting the Jason and John Show. And uh, that show, they do a terrific job covering the Tigers. I want to ask him, Javon Quinterly is the big topic this week for the Memphis Tigers because he was on campus this week. Uh, Not yesterday, but the day before he was on campus. The Tigers are hoping. This is the wildest thing because, as Jason Munns for the Commercial Appeal said, with Penny Hardaway in our recruiting, and we're really into recruiting here. Like, we're following the Peach Jam. We got Team Thad down there. Got a lot of Memphis prospects. Um, Billy Richmond's son is down there. 
there's a lot of activity when it comes to grassroots basketball and AAU stuff. And Penny's roster is is now has been transformed overnight. Basically, it's it. Jordan Brown is coming from LS or from uh, Louisiana. Is it weird as somebody who doesn't live here to hear me say basically that the whole roster's turned over except for DeAndre Williams, who may be back on campus thanks to a NCAA waiver? I, 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 I'm just blown away by this because you said we were going to talk Memphis basketball today. So I said, okay, fine. So let me start digging in here. 13 new players is what yep. I count. Eight transfers and five recruits as we sit right now, according to 24-7 Sports, which is where I went to look at this. I, and this isn't Dion going to Colorado first year saying, "Hey guys, pack your bags. I'm bringing my own, my, bringing my own guys with." Okay, uh, in Wisconsin for the Badgers, Luke Fickle coming from Cincinnati in a surprising move, uh, and using the transfer portal to, in his mind plug holes so they can play at the level they want to play at right out of the box in year one, uh, getting a bunch of quarterbacks and wide receivers. And mm-hmm. okay, fine, that's year one of a new coach. That's understandable, but you are the coach of the team. You are the one that recruits the players. You are the one that puts the players on the on the roster. To me, it's an admitting uh, – you're kind of admitting a failure that you didn't do your job correctly, and now you're having to redo the entire roster over again because you essentially screwed up. That To me, that's how I read it from the outside coming in. When you've been there – now, for a couple of years uh, in Memphis, you're the one that puts together yeah. the roster because you're the coach. You get to shop for your own groceries, as Bill Parcells would like to say. Uh, and now you're doing the whole roster over, which means you screwed up. And, and now you're going to try it over again. And, folks, I, I'm telling you, this is not easy what he's what he's doing to himself. It's, it's very difficult. That that I, I, I think I disagree with the first point, and I respectfully disagree because I get it. Like, if I'm looking at Memphis, and there are people that do this, they go, what the hell is going on at Memphis? Like, none of these dudes are returning. But I would tell you, a good example is last year. Alex Lomax, who was a, a four-year, five-year player uh, at Memphis, could have been, five, you know, had, there was a chance he could have even, who knows, could have had even more eligibility. But he graduated from University of Memphis. He was a very good point guard for us, solid. But he wasn't Kendrick Davis. So you have an opportunity if you're Penny Hardaway, to get a grad transfer from SMU and Kendrick Davis, and he did it, and you saw what happened with that last year. I mean, that 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 would but be. But that's my, one guy. I know, Brad. I know. That's not I know. thirteen. But if you have somebody graduating around that, you have to work in all the edge work. And the truth is, it you you don't have the NIL resources you probably used to. You're seeing this at Kentucky. Like Kentucky, it used to be, well, go go pluck the greatest one and done, right? Go mm-hmm. get a bunch of freshmen. That's no longer the case. I mean, and that's the same with Memphis. And that's really the same with a lot of these college basketball programs. Uh, Maybe different in baseball. It may be different. Obviously, it's different in football, especially in the SEC. But in Memphis, you don't have a war chest of NIL. You might have enough of a war chest to go get uh, Jordan Brown. You might have enough of a war chest to go get Javon Quinterly, pluck him off the the scrap heap at the end of the day. Which, But it's just... I get it. I get what you're saying. But I think college basketball in general, Memphis is just sort of a, a good example of this and, and, a, and a big example. But you're, this is where it's going, part one. Part two is, you're also right, it's harder on the coach. It is, it is, it is varied. It seems, it seems like you're making your job harder because you're not developing talent internally and growing them from a freshman or sophomore. You're going to the well, almost like NBA free agency and you're, so, and I'm, you're going, I'm, I'm going to go get Kendrick Davis. But think about it. I mean, it's not only hard from that perspective, but you have to develop chemistry. You have to get people to learn your offense, learn your defense, and be pulling in the same way because I don't know what he's telling all these transfers. you got eight transfers. I'm guessing a lot of these guys are being told, hey, yeah, man, you're going to play, you're going to play, you're going to play. Okay, are they all going to play right away this year? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. And then you've got these recruits. And if these recruits don't play, I mean, outside of his own kid, Ashton, obviously, but if these recruits don't play right away, are they going to get frustrated? Are they going to go hop in the transfer portal uh, and leave and go play somewhere else where they they think they have the opportunity to play? That. See, that's the that's a slippery slope, I think, that you run here when you do a full roster overhaul in one offseason. Like that, I mean, Patino's doing the same thing at St. John's. Yes. I mean, I get it. But again, that's a first-year head coach. That wasn't his roster that he decided, well, this isn't working. We're going to do it all over again. Like that, it seemed extreme to me. But like I said, you know, like you said, I'm on the outside looking in. I, I'm not in the middle of it like you are. I think you're right. 
And I think you're right. But I don't think Penny cares because I think the way that Penny looks at it is through the prism of it's the summer. Um, I'm going to lose the Lawson kid and let him walk to Arkansas, and he may or may not play for Arkansas because I want to get Jordan Brown. And we saw that. Like Everybody in Memphis was scratching their head a week ago going, why is, why is Lawson transferring? And the reason is because Jordan Brown's coming in. And Jordan Brown is not even arguably a way better player. No disrespect. You know, so if you and also the the other thing to this isn't just the transfers. It's this weird edge work that Penny is able to do as the godfather, as John Martin has pointed out on his show, of working with and now you're working with an organization that has been critical of you in the NCAA trying to get a waiver for DeAndre Williams and the big joke is the AARP member, uh, DeAndre Williams, uh, to join the Tigers. And this roster is going to be average age older than the Grizzlies because if you get that waiver, you get him back, uh, you get uh, Brown, the wing players, MTSU kid, the Division II kid, like you have a Tiafale, Lennard, who you know, some have said could be a, a, you know, a high-level NBA player. We'll see, coming over from MTSU. I mean, they're trotting out Lennard. You could get... Quinterly, you could get DeAndre Williams, and you'd have. I mean, that's. I think Penny's just looking at it from that perspective, much like an NBA team. Does. You see this in the NBA now too, right? They, like they're not concerned with the chemistry in Dallas of 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 um, of their players. Sometimes, you know, it just that, that that seems to be secondary to the fact that they're gonna they're gonna go out and they're gonna get players. Does that make sense? But- uh, yeah, but even in the NBA, you don't overhaul an entire roster in one offseason normally. Normally, there are still a few players left that you're going to play with. Let, let's take it to this perspective. Well, I don't know. You like, I... Look at the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic yeah. and Kyrie Irving. This is I'm, I'm glad I pulled up the lineup. Those two are not playing well together, right? Nope. But they're yep. going to start together this year. Seth Curry, they re-sign. Dante Exum, they bring in. They bring in you know all these dudes. I, they kind of do. Now, I know they don't do two they or three. They got Grant Williams. Yeah. They get Grant Williams from Boston, you know. So, like, I'm not saying they're they're apples and apples, but I mean it, it's 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 much more like the NBA than you think it is. Let's take it to the next step. You and I talked about this off the air. You've got kids. I've got kids. Penny Hardaway sitting in your living room telling you, "Oh, your kid's the greatest. I want your kid to come play at Memphis." Do you trust him? I don't. I'll trust him. No well, chance. If, I trust if you're him. transferring, you don't trust him. I think that's that you're saying it with, without saying it, and I think that's the case. All of the Lawsons have basically transferred from our school. Like yep. that's the family. They've had like four Division One players, and they've all you know they all left or done something else. Uh, in my opinion, that's the most bananas. And I and I respect the Lawsons. Like I'm a big fan of Keelan. He's come on the station. It, it's amazing what he's done to have that type of talent from one household. Having said that. I don't think after my first two went to Memphis, I would have sent my third Correct. or fourth one to Memphis. Yes. Exactly, you're right. Yes, right, no doubt. So, yes. uh, yeah, fool me once, don't fool me three. You know. Uh, so Jason Smith will talk about Javon Quinterly. It's fascinating, and this is what we talk about every day on ninety two nine. I know it's probably bananas to anybody from Milwaukee or Chicago or uh, Seattle, but um, it makes for an entertaining day. We have the Grizzlies, who last night actually. Um, I liked last night's game more than I liked the first two because I think we've we've had the Loravi experience now and we know he's a he's probably a roster player and we'll see what that does. You got to see Roddy and they sat him and Junior as well. Uh, Lofton sat they sat their main NBA possible rotation players last night as they leave Utah. They lose to Utah last night, ninety eight eighty three. Grizzlies go down. But we got a chance to see Gigi Jackson. There are two guys I want to bring up. The first one's Gigi Jackson. And Gigi Jackson is an interesting prospect in the second round. Grizzlies sort of taking a flyer on a young 18-year-old player who's had some problems in, in college. And you kind of pointed these out off the air. And I'm, I was kind of unaware of all of them. But it's, it's, it's not the, he's not flashing guns on, on Twitter or Instagram. No, no, um, no, no, no. So, so he's already got a head start on jaw in that respect. But Gigi Jackson did play last night, 27 minutes. Uh, now, the plus-minus, whatever. I mean, they, they lost the game. Who cares? He scored 23 points. He clearly had the green light, and we'll talk more with Chris Harrington about that. He did get a double-double. Not an assist machine. He ain't going to pass it, as Chris points out. But I don't think Chris, and, and we'll talk to him about 10 o'clock, because he got some grief about you know the, the Gigi Jackson green light. That, don't, that is not what Summer League is about, in my opinion, if you're watching Gigi Jackson as a prospect. Like, you're not putting him out there to pass the ball, right? Am, 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 I, am I saying this? Am I, am I, I off base? I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't know what the coaching staff, you know, 
technically said one way or the other, but it felt like this was the Gigi Jackson game. Yes. Like, yes. You know, he wasn't really the spot focus or spotlight, you know, before, but we're going to make him feel good about this leaving Salt Lake City as we get ready to go to Vegas, and we're going to let him just go bananas uh, and get his confidence. I mean, just be like, hey, man, go get your shots. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And that's that's what he did. He went and got his shots, and 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 he was happy. I guess a couple of things I didn't realize in researching this guy after I watched the game last night on NBA TV, I didn't realize he was the number one prospect in the high school class for 2020. Yes. I didn't realize that before reclassifying. And he went to college a year earlier. He's the youngest kid in the draft, which I didn't realize either. Yep. But then I didn't realize was that at South Carolina, he went on this whole, I don't know if I'd call it a tirade, but complaining on social media uh, during the season on uh, Instagram after they lost to Arkansas 65-63, and he was furious uh, with their coach, Lamont Paris, who's a former uh, Badger assistant coach, who's now the head coach at South Carolina, about not getting him the ball down the stretch oh, uh, enough. Why don't I have the ball in my hands at crunch yeah. time? Just give me that. I'm not even getting plays drawn out for me, and there, there's all this audio that ended up on mm. Twitter. Uh, and then later, obviously, I'm sure he heard about it and went forward and apologized and did this yes, whole thing yeah. uh, on social media. It'll be interesting to see how this works because if you're winning more times than not, you don't have these issues. You know, they were on like a six game losing streak, I think. That made it, I think, six games in a row they had lost. So he was frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball in crunch time. When you're winning, I think all of this stuff doesn't really get said a lot right. most of these guys just shut up we're winning fine i'll deal with it whatever it's gonna be fun to see kind of how he reacts to whatever role they put him in because we talked about it yesterday as far as rotation goes i don't think he's a lock to be a rotation player at all at this point oh no no no, no. Uh, so that that's probably not going to happen so do they look at him and say he's better off playing in the G League a lot of the time, letting him be the guy on that G League team. And then if there's injury or something like that, then we kind of bring him back up uh, and kind of put him in versus having him sit at the end of the bench uh, and possibly being very frustrated that he's not playing, uh, knowing how good he thinks he is. And and again, last night, he looked pretty good. I, I think, and this is because we're hoops junkies, we are way in the weeds when we're having conversations about second round picked Gigi Jackson. Having said that, like you said, this was the Gigi Jackson game. Go, go, go get it, right? Yep. Just like game two of the Summer League was the Jake LaRavia game. We need to see you go score. You have a green light, more than green. Please go score 25 points, and he did that. So that was good. I would argue uh, Gigi Jackson and Jake LaRavia's role, and where it's not about where they were picked. The thing that sucks for LaRavia is where he was picked because he was – they picked him mid, you know, in the middle of the first round. They moved up to go get him. Gigi Jackson's a flyer player. I, I actually see them as the same type of role player on this team. And I know that's not what there are some fans that go, that's crap. One's, you know, second and you're taking a shot on an 18 year old. It feels to me like they're sort of in that purgatory area of, because last year, LaRavia was a G League player. Gigi Jackson, I think, will get run at the G League, and I think he's he's a player they'll stash there and they'll develop him there, and they want to see him be on his p's and q's and shut up about about roll and and listen and and go score points. And because I will tell you this, it was fun watching him last night. Like he's a For freak. Sure. Like yep. he he looks the part. He's long. He's like what six seven. Can can just jump out of the gym. I mean, dunk. I mean, he he looks he looks like Stromile Swift, uh, circa two thousand four Grizzlies. I mean, it's wild to. I think he looks that now. Is he that? We get to we get to see. Um, the other player that was interesting that I want to bring up was this uh, stash player they've got, Bivorovic, Bivorovic, yeah. who we won't even see this year either in South Haven with the Memphis Hustle G League team, which is just south of here in Mississippi. Or with the Grizzlies. Like, he's a stash player. The Grizzlies clearly are working around the edges because also last night, in addition to seeing their second-round player, uh, both second-round players uh, from the 2023 draft last night against Utah where they lost, and now they head to Las Vegas, by the way. They will play in our favorite place, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Thomas Mack Center, that that pavilion that's connected with... Uh, awesome. There's three gyms all connected, which we bragged about yesterday. It's a very cool place for Summer League. Uh, they play the Bulls' first game Summer League tomorrow... John Martin tells me they're plus 1,600 right now to win the G League, so get your bets in now, folks, here in the state of Tennessee. Uh, last night, in addition to watching those two second-rounders, they make a trade with the Suns. It's a three-way trade, basically, with the Wizards, the, the Suns, with the Grizzlies, and the Suns are getting the attention because they're sending their big man, Isaiah Todd, 
and two first-round pick swaps in 24 and 30 to Memphis. Memphis sends out three second-round picks firm, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So Suns are trying to stock up on just overall development picks. Phoenix will receive the Pelicans, so the Pelicans are involved. They'll receive the 25 pick. Memphis gets 28 and 29 picks. This move uh, comes after Todd was in Phoenix in that Bradley Beal trade. That's the Wizards connection. Uh, so it gets confusing. I'll just level it this way. The, the the Grizzlies are banking on if the Suns are not good, they get a, a better pick. Am I, am I saying that all sort of correctly? And a player that may not be on the roster in Isaiah Todd. Well, it's interesting because the first time I, I well, the first couple of times I read it, I, I completely read it wrong. So when I first initially read it, I'm like, well, this has to be lottery protected for the Wizards. But the key word is the lesser of the picks, which means you're going to get the Suns pick. So if the Suns are picking at, you know, 28 uh, and Memphis is at 24, they're not going to do the pick swap. They gain nothing. Uh, But if the Suns finish with a worse record than Memphis, they have the ability to go up a few spots in the draft because Phoenix doesn't play well then it makes sense. So more than likely in 24, it's not going to benefit Memphis at all. You're right. banking by the, by 2030, they're going to be horrible. And again, still doesn't say anything about a lottery protection on the Suns pick either. So if the Suns aren't good in 2030, and they very well may not be because that core probably will not be there anymore, uh, they'll all be gone, uh, then Memphis will probably benefit. But it's going to be a while before you get to that point. And the Suns desperately need draft picks. Uh, at this point, to kind of continue to build that bench going forward right. around these superstar players they got. It basically sounds like, in general, the Suns want to just get more volume in their war chest, whether it's second-round picks and, and sooner right. rather than later, basically, with Memphis giving them three second-round picks. For Memphis, I must say, and, and, and there's a lot of detail there that we just talked about, and I thought you laid it out perfectly. I'll bottom line it this way. The Memphis front office has done a terrific job of at least taking shots. Have they all worked out? No. Um, we saw this in the, the Justice Winslow trade with the Heat a couple of years ago. It, it, it didn't work, right? Um, we saw it probably with the Danny Green move. You know, edge work moves, whether they're getting guys off the scrap heap or they're high-dollar guys that they trade for or they're players that, um, you know, they, they just don't see the role in because they're trying to develop this core and they also are trying to save money around the margins. Is that... Is that laid out, would you say? Yeah. Correctly? So this is another one of those moves for Memphis where they're going to take a shot, whether it's moving up in the draft a few spots um, and looking at ways around the edges to increase their odds of getting better players. And I, I just think the front office has done a really good job. And this extends to, I think, the Derrick Rose you know, move to sign him in free agency. I think the Marcus Smart move is a, is a really good one because Tyus wanted to start, um, and he gets to go to a team where he is going to start. Now, does it suck you lost Tyus Jones? Yes. Did you need to replace Dylan Brooks? Yes. Did the fans want Dylan Brooks gone? Yes. So you're working around the margins. You re-sign Bain as part of that core. It just feels like a pretty good move. And I, I, As an outsider, do you trust the Grizzlies front office? It seems like we can trust them right now and that they've done a, a pretty good job working around the margins, including this trade and some of these development projects. I don't think there's anything necessarily. Now, again, I'm not day to day like you are, but yep. I, I don't. I don't think outsider looking in that there's anything to be super critical of with what the Memphis Grizzlies have done uh, as far as acquiring talent and doing that whole thing. I think the the hiring of the head coach Taylor Jenkins. I think that's worked out yeah. well too. I don't know how much pressure he's under going into this year necessarily. Probably not much if we're going to say that uh, the the youth, the age, uh, the average age of what their star players are. Uh, is the reason why you know there shouldn't be huge expectations on mm-hmm. them. Um, so if that's the case, then he he shouldn't be under any huge pressure either at this point. That that's where you know you're in that uh, honeymoon phase, maybe a little bit where there's not a ton of expectations on you uh, to do something at a higher level than you are right now uh, because a you're in the West like we talked right. about yesterday. Uh, so from a national perspective, the talking head perspective, nobody's going to look at Memphis and say, oh, yeah, you should definitely come out of the West. And if you don't, it's a failure. Nobody's going to put that on Memphis, even with John Morant and everything going on. They're, they're not going to do it. And so the question then becomes, well, is the goal to win an NBA championship or is the goal to be in the playoffs every year and give ourselves a chance? And maybe we catch lightning in a bottle and KD gets hurt or uh, you know, a couple guys get hurt along our way. If you look at the Milwaukee Bucks run, uh, when they got on their run, a lot of people said that it was lucky how the whole thing played out. Kevin Durant and 
you know, his shoe that was bigger than it needed to be for his foot that <laughs> yeah. was on the line. Uh, then Trey Young gets hurt, um, and they don't have to deal with him in Atlanta. And Atlanta never should have been there, but uh, yep. they got there and took out Philly, so they didn't have to go through Boston and then Philly, um, or I should say the Nets and then Philly. Uh, and then, you know, you get to the finals and you take care of an inexperienced Phoenix team uh, in the finals. So there is some the luck that goes along with it uh, kind of going forward. Uh, but you have to make sure, like we talked about yesterday, that you take advantage of the window that you have with John Morant uh, and the superstar player that you have because he's not going to probably be there forever. I don't disagree with you, and I think Chris and you kind of went back and forth yesterday, and I think we're somewhere in the middle where we all agree that there has to be some luck in winning an NBA title unless you're primo Golden State Warriors in their heyday. Would you agree with that? Uh Yeah. Yeah, I think that you I have think to, that is fair. And, and yeah. that includes the Bucks, like your team. If the Bucks don't have some team that they encounter in the postseason in 24 when they're in the East, um, whether it's the other team has a nick injury, sit out, player not at their best, not available in any of those rounds, like it, it won't be as good for the Bucks. I think that's true. And we've seen it with the Grizzlies, whether it's the Oklahoma City years where they're trying to get to the Western Conference Finals during the grit and grind era with Zebo and these guys, you need a, you need an Oklahoma City injury, you know? You need one of those dudes out, whether it's, you know, any of the, the big two in that case, right. and Durant, um, or, or Westbrook, right? And you look at Milwaukee, it's been the exact opposite. They can't stay healthy. They uh, can't two years stay ago, healthy. Middleton gets hurt. Uh, and they can't beat Boston. Uh, and Giannis did everything he could, but they couldn't get all over the hump against Boston without Middleton. Now this year, Giannis goes out for two and a half games, uh, and they lose to the the Heat uh, in a stunner. And here it's pretty much NBA championship or bust. So if you don't get there and don't win it, then it's kind of looked at as a failure, and you didn't get the job done, and all the pressure was on Mike Budenholzer. People had their their complaints about him, including myself. So he's gone. So now you bring in Adrian Griffin, who has no experience as a head coach. <laughs> that I don't, uh, and, yeah. And now he's going to be the head coach. Yeah. But the expectations are not going to change. These guys are all under contract, the core guys, for two more years. And then this whole thing could be done. So literally the window in Milwaukee is like two years. In Memphis, yeah. the window is obviously as big as John Morant is under contract. Yeah. That's as big as the window is. These these franchises, more similar than you might think, the Budenholzer connection with Taylor Jenkins being one of them. The second yep. one, the contract with Middleton that y'all got, uh, which is, I know a lot of money, and it's in that, what, the second apron, if you will? Um, what are you paying him, like $28 bucks a year under the new contract? Uh, it's going to be closer, I think, to 32 or something You're not like paying that. him a max deal is what I'm saying. You're no. not paying him $40 million or plus no. like Desmond Bain. But those are Correct. comparable players in some respects. What I'm, what I'm getting at is, you needed him not getting injured. You don't want him to get injured. But like Jaron, the only reason we got the contract we got with Jaron is like with Middleton. You got him on a discount deal because he was nicked up. Yeah, and Middleton's getting older. I mean, that's that's, true. that's also yeah, that, part of that's it, too. That's a good point. And the other part of it is him and Giannis are super tight. Like, their families hang out together, the whole deal. And right, yeah. as long as Giannis is there, Middleton is going to be there. And Middleton, uh, I'm sure his agent went looking and shopping before they got into free agency and decided that they weren't probably going to get that much better of a deal. So he probably decided to stay in Milwaukee. The one that had the best chance of probably leaving was Brooke Lopez because the Rockets were involved. Uh, and that's what drove up the price. I think the Bucks wanted to get Brooke at like around $20 million a year. Uh, and because the Rockets got involved, it ended up being like 24 <laughs> yeah. uh, a year. And they drove up the price. But they were able to kind of keep everybody. Uh, and move forward. And that's the thing for Memphis, you know, kind of going forward is is keeping that core together as long as you can keep them together. And then, you know, finding that one yep. or two role players that push you over the top. Drew Holiday helped push Milwaukee towards that title. P.J. Tucker, whatever you want to say about him, was instrumental in the Bucks that one year um, and kind of being that one big glue guy, that rah-rah physical type player that they didn't have previously that kind of helped get them over the top that year. Uh, and th- those are the key guys that that front office will have to figure out who fits best to kind of push this young group over the top. You saw it with Denver this year, you know, not with yeah. Murray or no- uh, Jokic, but their secondary players like Braun, like all these dudes they needed, and those guys have pretty big roles. <laughs> and one of them got paid. Uh, what's his name? Went to Indianapolis. Like uh, these guys, these guys get paid after they do this for you, even though they say they're going to stay, they don't stay. But you want them because they'll get you an NBA title. Hopefully, uh, Gigi Jackson. Who knows? Maybe in 
two or three years, we're going, wow, look at Gigi Jackson on the yeah. wing. You know, who, who knows? That's why they do the summer league. Uh, we've got uh, Steve Pfeiffer online. By the way, you can listen to his podcast. It's called Green and Growing. We're talking about the Bucks a little bit in the Grizzlies. He talks hoops on that podcast. It's an Odyssey podcast. Uh, from 1250amthefan.com in Milwaukee, my friend Steve joins me on the line, and we've got uh, Jason Smith. Going to ask Jason if he thinks Javon Quinterly will be on the Memphis Tigers roster. Next, you're listening to the Jeff, the Jeff Calkins Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. I'm Trista Crick with BetQL. You want to beat the books? The NBA Summer League is now here, and there is time to help you find a wager that you like. So here's a tip to help you pick a winner. Look for teams to bet on like the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers who bring back star players like Jaden Ivey and Ben Matherin from the 2022 draft. Vegas loves a team with experience, and you know what? You should too. I'm Trista Crick, hoping you... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Beat the books. Today, it's special guest hosts Brad Carson and Sparky Pfeiffer on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. 9.39, sorry for the long break, but I'm having phone issues. I don't know what the hell's going on with our phones, Steve. Steve Pfeiffer joins us from Milwaukee, thank God, because otherwise I'd just be talking to myself and uh, the listeners, but uh, it's just a busy tone. I don't know, he can't get through and I can't call out. That's weird. Uh, this such is life when you're producing your own radio show. So, uh, Steve, we got uh, Jason Smith and the Jason and John show coming up at uh, 11 o'clock. They'll be in studio, um, and you'll hear them live. So you can get all the opinions that Jason was going to give me anyway. But basically, I was going to ask him about Javon Quinterly and the Tigers. Um, we'll, we'll sort of move on from that to Gigi Jackson. You and I were talking about Gigi Jackson during the break. Gigi Jackson is the youngest player in the NBA, and last night, of course, the Grizzlies, they lost to Utah, but Gigi Jackson got a ton of run last night. I mean, looked really good. It was clearly going to be the Gigi Jackson game. And you and I talked about this. It seems like a player like Gigi Jackson, it kind of sucks, but you're not getting as many opportunities as those first-round picks, even though you're 18 years old because you're selected in the second round. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge deal. And, and that's not just an NBA thing. That's a National Football League, too. Right, I mean, if you're a a first round pick and you may not be that good, you're going to get the the run of that that first deal. But if you don't play all that well as a fifth round pick, you may be gone after a year or two years. You may be gone. Maybe you don't make it out of training camp. You get cut. And in the NBA, it's kind of a a similar type deal where uh, if you're a second round pick, even if you're playing well, but you're on a veteran laden team that's deep that is considered a threat to come out of their conference you're not going to probably get as much run as that first-round pick the previous year. And uh, in this case, unless he completely just outplays LaRavia uh, in preseason, you know, he averages you know, 15, 17 points, LaRavia averages like six. Unless it's something obscene like that, uh, I, he, he's going to end up probably in the G League, is my guess. Yeah. LaRavia is going to end up in the rotation. Now, if it ends up you know, being a situation where he does outplay of that that much – and LaRavia looks that bad, then you're going to have even more questions about, did we just completely screw this pickup in year two if he still looks that bad when you get to preseason? Uh, because you have to determine who's ready to go in and, and be that rotational type player. The one thing that we've read, at least, about Gigi Jackson is, 
kind of a selfish player when he was at South Carolina. You know, it was about me, 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 me. And if that's the case, how is that going to work playing with Ja and Desmond Bain and these dudes who also want the ball uh, and, you know, want to score and not watch the second round pick decide that he's going to be, uh, you know, the focus of the team or whatever. That also has to play in his mentality, his maturity level, whether or not they think it's ready to play at a high level with this, uh, you know, title contending team. I mean, it makes sense, right? You're investing more when you're investing a first-round pick in somebody. So there's less opportunity for that second-rounder because you're, as somebody who's a decision-maker, you don't want to look stupid, right? <laughs> Correct. You don't want to look stupid. So there's very – it's 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 kind of uh, low-risk, high-reward with Gigi Jackson. The other player was the stash player, uh, Vivarovic, who, who played, and we won't see him in Memphis this year. Uh, Ferrari was uh, an interesting player last night. Manny Bates and Matthew Hurt. I bring up Matthew Hurt because he's been in the G League with the Grizzlies off and on with the Memphis Hustle. He played 24 minutes last night. And this kind of goes to the point of these one-and-dones because Matthew Hurt was a, a basically a one-and-done player, right? I mean, coming out of high school, he was projected to be a one-and-done player, went to Duke. And it is amazing. And I, I listened to uh, this morning Brian Scalabrini on SiriusXM was talking. Uh, he had a live interview from Peach Jam where a lot of these one-and-dones are playing. Including LeBron James coaching, by the way. Like, LeBron James is legit coaching down at Peach Jam today. Um, right, with, with Rajon Rondo. That is so bizarre. Just It's strange, because I just saw you sent it to me on NBA TV. They just, or NBA.com, uh, the NBA account tweeted this out, and it's it's LeBron on the court. Ray, I mean, quite a coaching. Do you think LeBron will become a coach? Maybe. I think he'd rather be an owner. Yeah. Um, so, but maybe, I mean, he's a basketball junkie. He loves this stuff. He's, he's like Kobe in that aspect. He lives in a gym. He absolutely loves the game. And you look back at some of the other guys, Michael Jordan never really coached per se. He wanted to be an owner and, and have his hands in it that way. Larry Bird coached, Kevin McHale coached. I mean, there's a ton of former players, even in the NBA today, that went from the floor straight into the coaching rank. Steve Nash went from the floor straight into coaching. Jason Kidd. Same thing. Will LeBron James be that guy? And if he is that guy, where is he that guy? Yeah. Is he that guy in Cleveland? Does he go back home to coach the Cavaliers going forward? Does he stay in L.A. with the Lakers? Eric Spolster is going nowhere in Miami, so he's not going there. Uh, but, you know, where would he end up going <laughs> going forward? I don't know. It'll yeah. be interesting, and it'll be fun to see just how good his team is. And it's not like they get a lot of prep time with these kids. Well, and instead of playing with Bronny, maybe he's coaching Bronny instead. We we flipped the script a little bit. Back to Matthew Hurt, the other point I was just going to make is sometimes we think these players, whether it's, you know, Amani Bates or, uh, you know, uh, Matthew Hurt, you think that they're going to be one thing, and it, it, it flips on its head quickly. Uh, we bring on Jason Smith. Some My engineer came in and flipped my phones around. Uh, Jason, nice. Jason Smith from the Jason and John Show. He's the co-host weekdays, 11 to 2 here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Uh, we're working on the fly. Jason, how are you this morning? Doing well, sir. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing good. I just tweeted out this picture of Coach LeBron James and Coach uh, Rajon Rondo and Steve, who is uh, on the line with me, we're just talking about this. Uh, can you see LeBron James as a basketball coach in the NBA? I could see him if he wanted to. Uh, I think I think he's probably got bigger designs. For, you know, in terms of uh, he's going to own one as opposed to coaching one before it's all said and done. And I think he's the kind of guy that uh, can get that done. But no, it, with his look, he's he's probably had a great hand, and especially last season in uh, in coaching the Lakers the last couple of years in terms of drawing stuff up. LeBron could do it with the best of them. Uh, I just don't. I don't get the sense that those are, in terms of aspirationally, that that that's a goal. Uh, but could he do it? Absolutely, he could. He could coach on. Uh, he could coach on any level in terms of his basketball knowledge at this point. His IQ through the roof. He could coach a team. He practically does it right now. And uh, I just don't think it's it's on the list for him in terms of uh, uh, career goals the rest of the way. I, I suspect that LeBron's looking higher. Much like in the you know in the I, I you know we'll probably skip the front office sort of role that Jordan did, I would imagine, mm-hmm. uh, for LeBron. But that's sort of what he's seems like he's been angling for for a long time. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's 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 the way he's going to be headed. Yeah, and it could be that franchise in Las Vegas that LeBron owns. Maybe then he's also coaching or doing something with that. But I could totally see that. Jason Smith from the Jason and John Show, weekdays 11 to 2, joins us now. Steve Pfeiffer's on with us from Odyssey. I'm Brad Carson, and we wanted to ask a little bit about the Tigers because earlier in the week, uh, Javon Quinterly was on campus with Penny, and 
you know, Jason, I find myself defending Memphis a little bit with Steve, and, and not just Steve, but with my family up in Illinois and outsiders who don't quite understand Memphis in particular and the grassroots scene and what Penny's tried to do working around the edges at Memphis and basically turning these rosters over year after year after year, and we just seem to forget this is what he does. He, he works around the edges. He works late. If somebody's on another campus, it doesn't matter. And, and like last year, it kind of worked against us at Western Kentucky. Um, but now we have the coach on staff. So uh, with Javon Quinterly, just if you could take us through, is this the way it's going to be every year now with, with late players coming in, transfer players? We saw Mikey Williams was probably a necessity to try to let that one go and go for a player like Quinterly because there's, there's a gun charge involved. Uh, just is this the way it's going to work? And do you expect uh, Quinterly to be with the Tigers this year? Uh, two-part question. Let's take the Quinterly yep. part first. Yes. Uh, what you don't see with Quinterly right now is a lot of smoke involving other programs. That's that's a good sign for Memphis, and it's typically that's how it's gone when Memphis is locked in on a guy. Uh, Jaden Bradley, the former Alabama point guard who split time with Javon Quinterly, uh, did do the same thing. He made the visit, and the buzz was there. You're going to get Jaden Bradley. It felt like that for a while before Arizona swooped in. And at least from you know what we've heard from what the reports have been, a lot of that was NIL. So, if, so from that standpoint, you got to take into consideration here, this is a second Alabama guard that Penny Hardaway has now brought in, and you don't get the sense that Penny's going to lose a second straight Alabama guard. And again, if there were, you know, you haven't seen any reports of other visits, those kinds of things, and typically if it's a, you know, a bidding war, that kind of thing, um, that'll come out. Now, Jaden Bradley, here was the deal. He didn't commit right after the visit, like you see most times when Penny mm-hmm. Hardaway gets a player on campus. That went on for a couple of weeks, and it was, what's going on? And that allowed Arizona to come in. I don't think we'll see the same thing with Quinley, where we're going two weeks and nothing happens. I think Penny's going to lock this one down. And in doing so, you know, potentially you, you've completed at least your, your starting five, starting six, seven. Now, could they still add guys? Sure. Uh, Mikey Williams, that scholarship's still up in the air because he's got his next core date in July. Uh, but I think they're getting Quinley, uh, and in terms of gets, uh, super important because really it's uh, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get Jordan Brown eligible at some point this season a guy who was a an absolute stud inside if you're gonna get DeAndre Williams what you need at this point with two wing players and David Jones and Caleb Mills is a guy who can sort of stir the drink the yeah. guy, the guy that was Kendrick Davis last year but not not exactly the same role in that Kendricks because of the way that roster was built. He had to both be point guard, serve the drink, and be a you know 21-point scorer. What the last from Quinterly is different. Just be the point guard, and that's what he's super equipped to do. So uh, for one part of that question, yes, they're gonna, I, I believe they're going to get Quinterly, and I believe it'll be here in the next few days, hopefully, for Penny Hardaway. As far as you know, roster turnover, it's it's the nature of college. We, we, we all understand it's the nature of college basketball now and what's essentially free agency. What yep. you don't see anymore are teams going, making deep runs in the tournament with guys who were freshmen, turned sophomores, turned juniors, turned seniors. And, oh, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to make a run. I mean, you know, UConn did return a lot last year, but they brought in four new guys as part of that national championship team. Kansas State. Uh, albeit in Tang's first season, nine new guys, and they make a run, what, what all the way to the Sweet 16, had a chance there to, to, to go even deep. Well, no, Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, had a chance to go even deeper. And so it's the nature of college basketball. Ideally, obviously, you do not want to be replacing 12 to 13 guys a year. And I think, and, and John and I have discussed this at length on our show, the middle ground in, in today's college basketball world is getting those transfers, right, that are going to be with you, such as a DeAndre Williams, for multiple years, mm-hmm. for two to three years. Because here's the danger of just recruiting. And Penny at one time had six freshmen signed. Well, you're going in a season where you lost so many one-year guys. What's going to happen if you go in, in, in with freshmen? The danger of that now is, well, just look at the, the Jonathan Lawson story, where you've got a guy for a year, you redshirt him and hoping by having him for future plans, and then by year two, because it hasn't gone the way he wants or – or whatever else, or year three, they're ready to transfer out because somebody's telling them, I've got more NIL and I can give you a bigger role. And so uh, I, I say all that to say that, yes, ideally, it's hard. We've said it. You don't want to be Penny Hardaway in that job, you know, in every offseason after replace 12 to 13 guys. 
But because of the way things have sort of unfolded here, he's had to flip a roster that at one time was going to be, looked like it was going to be dependent on the arrival of a you know, top 35, four-star Mikey Williams. He's had to flip it because of the, you know, some of the transfers, some guys leaving, but mostly because a lot of those important guys were one-year guys. He's had to flip it in a year, and he's shown us that in terms of this part of the job, he's as adept as anybody at, at flipping a roster. You've got to be able to do it. Ideally, you don't want this many, and I think, you know, at some point, hopefully for him, it's going to settle into a nice little middle ground. But, but let's talk about that for a second, because you start talking about a majority of your roster coming from the transfer portal, which a uh, majority of his guys playing this year will be from the transfer portal. How real stable can it be if you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, that a lot of kids aren't staying anywhere for three or four years anymore, right. to try and get that type of stability to where you're not constantly having to replace a bunch of dudes out of the transfer portal because you, know, you get a recruit in that's four stars or whatever, expects to play right away, and you've got transfers in from other D1 universities, and you're playing them over the younger guy because they're more ready to play now. And as a head coach, you're getting paid to win now and not win in three or four years, but win this year. Th- that just makes it, I think, even more difficult. And we were talking about it before we came on the air, you know, Deion Sanders, Rick Bettino. We've seen it with first-year head coaches. This is, in my opinion, very unheard of to have happened in the middle of a coach's tenure. No, I mean, I, you know, I could, I could, I could argue that right with you and say, well, what, you know, how do you develop chemistry and those kinds of things if you're just bringing in guys who don't know each other every year? And that, and you could make that argument all day long. But if you watch that Memphis basketball team last year with a guy who'd never been there in Kendrick Davis, yep. didn't know anything about any player there in terms of playing with them, Memphis had the best chemistry it's had under Penny Hardaway and probably going back to Cal. And if it hadn't been, quite frankly for a timeout that wasn't granted to them at the end of the FAU game. I mean, I'm not putting this on the refs. Memphis yep. put himself in a position to be there with Kendrick Davis turning that ball over, and he's taking accountability for that. But th- you're beating Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed, in the, in the in that next game, and you're going to the Sweet 16 for the first time since the Cal era, and we're probably not having this discussion because at that point you've got a Sweet 16 behind your belt and everybody's saying, yeah, well, roster turnover is part of it. I mean, I I agree with you, Steve, that ideally 13 you don't want to be doing, but the idea that you can't have good chemistry in college basketball with a bunch of one-year dudes is an old one at this point, and I've had to come around to it. We saw it last year. What's key in that, key is what we saw last year, a guy in Kendrick Davis who knows how to play that point. If you don't have the proper point guard, if you've got a freshman in there, Imani Bates trying to play the position with a bunch of older dudes, it's probably not going to work. What you've got to have is, and hopefully you've done it in terms of picking out these one-year guys you brought in, are guys that understand how important chemistry is and that they're going to have to be roles. And, and hoping that they've, they've learned that, right? You're banking on a lot here, but you're hoping they've learned that through three, four years of playing college basketball. That sacrifice is important. You're not teaching that to freshmen. And so Penny Hardaway did a pretty damn good job of it last year. Again, albeit, you know, didn't didn't get where he needed to with this team in terms of Kendra Davis and DeAndre in terms of the potential that was there. But, no, man, uh, the chemistry thing, the chemistry argument, it, it's a good one, but it's one that uh, in college basketball has been proven this year. Kansas State showed you with nine new players last year True. that you can do it as long as it's older guys who know college basketball. I thought you laid that out a lot better than I did, Jason, because I, I've come around to it as well, and I think – it makes sense at Memphis, I think. I think it makes sense for what we're trying to do, given the NIL resources. Uh, and you saw that my example was Kendrick Davis as well. I thought the Kendrick Davis thing proved that with Penny's leadership, and I think people have bought into that, you can bring in a dude like Kendrick Davis. And I think that is why Javon Quinterly would come to Memphis seeing what Kendrick Davis did, right? Well, it's about fit. I mean, if you go get a bunch of one-year guys who are all planning to be top 50 lottery picks in the draft, well, that's not going to work. And I think what Penny Hardaway has learned over five years. Remember, he's not coming from, as Cal did, the NBA previously had been a college coach. It's Penny Hardaway trying to learn how to build a college basketball uh, uh, roster and how much different that is from putting together a high school roster or a grassroots roster. Right. In terms of roster construction now through five years, he knows what kind of, he, he, he showed last year. He knows in sort of fitting the pieces together the kinds of guys that are going to work. No, you can't go out and get nine new transfer guys that all want the same thing. I mean, all of them obviously want to go on play at a higher level. But what you've got to do is go get seven, six guys that understand having played college basketball, 
there are roles here, and if we all play them, you'll all get seen. We'll all meet our goals both individually as a team. And I think that's, that's sort of what Penny Hardaway has shown now uh, as opposed to early on when he was throwing, you know, five-star freshmen out there and thinking, okay, talent will, will help me win in college basketball. What he's learned clearly is no. Right. Getting older, having the pieces fit better together is the way to go, and I think that's what he's done with this roster, and you can tell by the way he sort of selected the players. Yep. Uh, Jason, we'll let you get to it. I know you got a big show today, 11-2. to 2. You're going to have on Anthony saying and break down some uh, some summer league action with uh, you know, the Bluff City Media. GG and the green light, baby. GG yeah. and the green I light. I was excited got, about GG. Yeah. I'm looking forward no, to I, it. I, I, I thought he showed a lot at 6'9". I mean, he, yeah. he can do a lot offensively. I know folks are... Uh, you know he didn't. He, had, he doesn't have one assist, but I, I don't care. It's summer league, and the guy, the kid, the kid, six nine and shooting forty seven percent from three. I'll take that in summer. Yep. Looking forward to it. We'll talk. Uh, we'll have you on at eleven o'clock. Thanks, Jason. That is Jason Smith from Jason and John weekdays eleven to two here. Anthony Sane joins him at eleven twenty five from Bluff City Media. There we go on ninety two nine FM ESPN. Almost ten o'clock. We'll take a break and come back with Chris Harrington. Last night, Chris tweeted. This, it says, let me go to it here, Steve, because people, I think, thought he was being critical. Maybe he was. I'll let him explain it. Um, He was basically making fun of Gigi, it felt like. Gigi in Summer League so far, 55 minutes, 32 field goal attempts, zero assists, Summer League legend stuff. And then this morning, he's like, he was basking in Summer League-ness and told him to let it fly. We'll ask Chris about Gigi Jackson next on 92.9. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 